Hi, and thanks for listening to Ask the Pastor, a segment of the West Hills podcast where you have the opportunity to ask and receive biblical answers on your questions from our lead pastor, Will Duvall. Pastor Will, what are some practical tips for sharing my faith with others? Uh, Here at West Hills, we end every worship service by reciting together the Great Commission, Jesus' final instructions to us, uh, his followers before he left earth and ascended back into heaven. And we say every week we will go therefore into all nations, baptizing them, teaching them to observe all that Christ has commanded. But the reality is um, that if we're honest, most of us struggle to even cross the street to encourage our next door neighbor to follow Christ's commands, much less go into all the nations. And uh, if you just look at the the sheer data on this, when Christians are polled, and you know we actually haven't surveyed um, West Hills. Uh, Westillians on this question specifically, yeah, we probably should, although you know, I'm careful about survey fatigue. I feel like we're always polling you guys, uh, but it's always for good, important data. So thanks for your input. Keep filling out those surveys when we send them. But uh, when the general church population is surveyed on you know this question about evangelism, the number one reason that, that Christians always give for why we don't share our faith more is some variation of, you know, I don't feel equipped or... I'm afraid that I won't have the right answers um, if you know my non-Christian friends or family start asking questions, or I, I just don't know how. I don't know how to share my faith, and so um, I I, I want to say uh, th- today, this week, you know, I, I would love to to be able to say, you know, may it not be be so here at West Hills, and to to, to begin or to continue to make a dent in that, and to, to answer some of those um, real concerns on the hearts uh, and minds of of our own people, you know, without having even officially surveyed um, those of you here at West Hills, I can just say anecdotally that I think many of our our folks here um, have shared some of those same sentiments with me and have asked for more practical how-to type suggestions when it comes to evangelism. You know, how do I even broach the subject of faith uh, with my unbelieving coworkers or neighbors? It, it feels so awkward or forced. You know, how do I steer a conversation in that direction? And then once I am in a conversation about faith, what should I say? What should I what should I do and not do? Say and not say. So uh, I want to I want to dig into that uh, today just a little bit. I am no expert. I'll just say that up front. And I also um, this is one of those uh, areas where uh, I, I don't feel like I can fully <laughs> say along with the Apostle Paul. In First Corinthians eleven one, you know, imitate me as I imitate Christ. You know, Christ was was. Always, of course. I mean, the model for uh, evangelism, and um, you know, I've got a great book here on my shelf. I'm looking at right now called "Learning Evangelism from Jesus" uh, uh, by Jerem Bars, a professor across the street here at Covenant Seminary. But um, you know, even as we look to, to Jesus as our model in evangelism, you you look to someone like Paul who gave his life to share the faith with others and said, you know, imitate me as I imitate Christ. I, I'm convicted by that because, you know, as your pastor, I um I, I need to grow in this area. I need to I need to um, be even more faithful in my own personal evangelism. I have no problem, you know, preaching it and, and exhorting us every week, you know, let's go out and, and do it and, and share our our faith and and, uh, and and take this great commission seriously that we're saying, but um, 
you know, it, it is. I feel, I feel all these same feelings that you all feel um, as far as just how, uh, how um, difficult in, in that situation it is to, to, to be bold, to, to stand up um, and, and speak out and be unashamedly, um, you know, evangelistic. And, uh, and invite those conversations. So I do think there's something to be said for this idea. You know, evangelism is a spiritual gift um, listed in uh, you know, 1 Corinthians 12 and, and Romans 12, uh, the gift of, of evangelism and uh, of an, uh, God is Ephesians 4, you know, give an evangelist um, to the church to, to help equip the church. And, um, and so, you know, there are some that are naturally, I think, uh, or spiritually, maybe not biologically naturally, but, um, you know, if it's a spiritual gift that when God touches our heart and redeems and transforms and new birth occurs, that God gives this gift to some people to, 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 to be wired and uh, for evangelism. At the same time, I, I want to be careful about that because I, uh, you know, the Great Commission, um, you know, and, and, and you think of Mark's version in Mark sixteen fifteen of going to all the world and, and preach the gospel. Um, you know, that's not a that's not a, a a command, an exhortation, just for those with the gift of evangelism. And it seems very clear that that's a calling on the heart of of every follower of Christ. And uh, so we need to be really careful about not using the spiritual gift. Well, that's not my spiritual gift kind of thing as an excuse. Well, you know, other people are supposed to tell people about Jesus. And, you know, my job is to, you know, fill in the blank. Um, You know, no, it's, it's really, I think it's, it's, uh, it's a calling that, that the Lord has, has left all of us with is to be evangelistic. And, you know, that might look different for, for different ones of us, but, um, but, uh, you know, it's something that we need to, to push ourselves and push one another to really always be growing in our, in our ability toward, um, Again, I, I I am not the example here. There, there's many examples of, of folks that I can point to and say, man, that is an evangelist. That's what an evangelist looks like. Um, and I could hold up for you uh, lots of great books I could recommend. Um, you know, we've even talked about doing an evangelism boot camp type Sunday school class here at, at West Hills. And I think that would be awesome to just do a six or eight week deep dive into it and better equip ourselves to share our faith. And so if you do, if, if you're here at West Hills and you feel like you do have the gift of evangelism or you're one of those folks who's just doing this faithfully and well, please let me know. I want to give you the platform to share your tips with others here. But in the meantime, I just, I want to give you five quick tips from me, from the pastor, um, today to, to maybe help get you started thinking about praying about, you know, how can I really uh, take this call to uh, preach the gospel in all the world uh, really seriously in my own personal life. So tip number one, prayer is pray. Uh, pray. We, we've got to start by praying. God honoring evangelism starts with and comes from a heart after God's own heart that breaks for those lost in sin in need of Christ. You know, we ought to be praying consistently daily even. God, give me a heart after your own heart. Help me to see people the way that you see them today. Because insofar as we see others the way that that God sees them, you know, if we see people all around us, you know, I, I frequently say, you know, from a God's eye view, from a spiritual perspective, I'm not sure that God sees much difference in the hearts and the souls of those 
right here in, in you know, upper middle class West County surrounding uh, our church at, at West Hills versus across the river in, in East St. Louis or anywhere else. You know, God from, you know, First Samuel sixteen seven says, man looks on the outward appearance, God looks on the heart. When God looks at the hearts of, uh, of, of our neighbors and, and the people that live around us, our coworkers, I'm not sure that that he sees much distinction between the 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 heart of of that lost person with all of the superficial trimmings and trappings, you know, the outside, versus uh, you know the hearts of those in in uh, in in you know neighborhoods across the other side of the tracks or, or what what have you. That we need to see, you know, if we ask for God's spiritual eyes to see people that way, we will begin. Um, to see their spiritual poverty and, and to, to, to be motivated to want to meet and reach that with the good news of, uh, of, the, of the gospel. You know, Luke 10 two, Jesus said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And then he says, therefore, what? Does he say, go, go out there and labor? Do you, you know, the harvest is plentiful. Get out there. Now, it's really interesting. The next thing he says is, therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Because I think Jesus is reminding us there, this, you know, lost people are God's harvest. They're, they're God's people that he loves, that he wants to reach, that he must reach. Um, we can't change anyone's heart. Only, only the Lord can, but he does want to use us to do it. And so he, he must be the one to send us. Otherwise, we're going to be working in our own strength for our own glory, out of our own sense of self-righteousness, and the world does not need us to save them. They need the Lord, and we are but his servants. But we are his servants. We are here to serve him, to be uh, co-laborers uh, with, with, with the Holy Spirit in that, in that work. You know, we plant the Holy uh, Spirit waters and, and has to give the growth. And so um, let that be our daily prayer. And then be careful what you pray for. Because if you if you pray for opportunities, if you pray that God would send you out into the harvest, be careful what you pray for because he will do it. Um, expect that God wants to use you uh, to share his love with others. Number two is actively put yourself in situations where you might have that opportunity to share. You know, p- do practical things to put yourself in 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 a position to uh, be able to have um, gospel-centered conversations with folks. Do things like go for walks in your neighborhood. Hang out on your front porch on nice days. Um, you know, one thing I, I try and do is drive slowly through my neighborhood with my windows down, um, ready to engage with other neighbors who might be, you know, working, or walking around, mowing their yard, whatever, if, if I get an opportunity to to say, hey, and wave and flag someone down and just, you know, make those little investments over time of relationship that slowly, you know, hopefully open people up to uh, deeper conversations with you um, in in the long run. You know, we do a Christmas party every year for our neighborhood to, to build those relationships. Uh, we may add a, a spring cookout as well, Polly and I, but, um, you know, in the workplace, get to work early, stay a little late. Um, build in flex time for chatting around the water cooler. I know some of that is, has obviously been complicated by COVID. Um, and I know some of y'all have even mentioned that, you know, that, that frustration of how difficult it is to, to just build those relationships um, in the time of COVID when you're working from home and, you know, 
Maybe it means signing on to Zoom meetings early. I don't know. But um, whatever you need to do to, to give yourself opportunities to have, you know, downtime to interact with people and, 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 and have those possible conversations that could be steered in the direction of, of faith at your kids' sports practices. Don't, don't just pull out your phone. Initiate a conversation. You know, if you're, if you're traveling for business, don't just pull out your phone on the, on the airplane. You know, look for an opportunity to, to, to strike up a conversation with the person sitting next to you. I, you might be sensing a common theme here. You know, you'll notice I didn't say find yourself in situations where you can share faith with people. I said put yourself in situations because some of these situations may feel uncomfortable for those of us, especially myself included, who are introverts. Um, you know, it's, it's unnatural. It's, it's, it's awkward for me to, uh, to strike up a conversation with, uh, you know, somebody at my daughter's gymnastics practice, um, with another parent who's sitting there watching. But the reality is the gospel isn't a lifestyle. It's not something that you hope that your neighbors are watching carefully enough that maybe they'll just sort of catch your faith by osmosis. The gospel is news. It's good news that, has to be spoken that people need to hear. And if we cannot, or if we will not start a conversation with them that could could potentially be steered in that conversation and in that way of, of the good news, then we don't even give ourselves a chance to, to share that news. And so we've got to make ourselves available and uh, to be used by the Lord for his good purposes. And uh, that's, that's why we're here. After all, we're here to be used by him. And that's, an, by the way, another uh, great reason that we serve um, Bible calls us to, to serve and meet physical needs. We don't just do it, though, for the physical needs. We don't just go over to East St. Louis and serve at R3 to build houses. We don't just volunteer at the food pantry to stock shelves or to feed people. Yes, people need bread to stay alive, but they're going to need more bread again tomorrow, and eventually they're going to die physically, eventually anyway. And so better to give them the bread of life who alone can satisfy their spiritual hunger for eternity. Never hunger again, Jesus says. Yes, people need houses, but even more than that, they need to build their lives on the foundation, on the rock of Christ. He alone can shelter them spiritually from the storm of God's wrath against their sin. And uh, when we serve and we meet those physical needs, though, it's, it's oftentimes a ready-made opportunity to address spiritual needs as well. So that's, that's why and what we need to be thinking and praying about, even as we're doing physical uh, mission as well. Uh, number three, so you got pray and put yourself in positions. Number three is look for ends in conversation. You know, in, in those conversations, are you looking for an in to steer the conversation in the direction of faith or, or the gospel? Give you a couple practical examples. My father-in-law um, used to embarrass my, my wife uh, growing up like crazy because, you know, they, they, they'd go to the grocery store, they'd be at the, the zoo as a family, and uh, if he saw somebody wearing a cross or somebody with a tattoo, um, you know, jewelry or, or tattoo, whatever he would, he would go up to him and ask him, I love your, I love your tattoo. I love your, uh, your, your, your necklace. Can I ask you, is that cross, is it fashion or faith? And he would just use that very simple question. You know, is it fashion or faith as a, as an in into a conversation to invite, you know, the opportunity to potentially share, share the Lord with them. This one is easy for me as a pastor, to be honest, as an in in conversation, because, you know, what's one of the first things that we are just kind of wired to ask one another when we meet somebody new is, 
what do you do for a living, right? And so for me, I get that ready-made opportunity to say, well, I'm, I'm a pastor, you know, and then I can, I, sometimes I just very, you know, bluntly will ask people, you know, what about you? You know, what, what kind of faith uh, do you do you subscribe to? What, what's your worldview? Um, are, are, are you a Christian or do you go to church? You know, something like that. Um, you know, I, I, I will... Uh, I'll give you a suggestion here, though. What about for those of you who aren't vocational paid pastors? What if when someone asked you, what do you do for a living? What, what, if, you, what if your answer was, you know, well, I get paid to, to be a nurse or I, I get paid to, to be a realtor. But, uh, you know, what I really get fired up about is uh, ministering for the gospel, ministering for the Lord. I think of Ephesians 4, again, where, where God says, you know, I've given the evangelists, the apostles, the teachers, etc., to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And so really, I'll often say, you know, I'm just the, the equipper of the ministers. You all, the, the laity, our, our church, our congregation, our, you know, our members, you guys are the ministers for the gospel. And so what if you thought of that as your vocational calling, even if you didn't get paid for it, but if, if, if you thought of yourself as, you know what, first and foremost, I'm a minister for the gospel. You know, yes, I, I got to feed my family. And so uh, I'm a lawyer, I'm a, I'm a salesman, I'm a, you know, fill in the blank, an engineer. But, but hey, I am here on earth to, to minister for the truth of the gospel. And so if someone, what if someone asked you, what do you do? What do you do for a living? If you said, well, yeah, um, I, here's what I get paid for. But but what I love to really do is to tell people about Jesus. I mean, that would <laughs> that would uh, I, I think um, that there's your in into a conversation. Um, you know, other practical ones. We joke about it. You know, just the, talking about the weather and how shallow that is. But what if you use that? What if it's a beautiful day out, like the day I'm looking out the window at right now? And you know, you're walking around the neighborhood and and you pass somebody walking the dog and they say, you know, isn't this a beautiful day? What if you said, what if you responded with, man, yeah, what a day that God has blessed us with today, huh? And just, just to, to plant that seed in their mind that, you know what, beautiful days don't just come out of nowhere. <laughs> you know, there is, there is one who is sovereign over the weather, who created the sun that makes it beautiful. And, uh, and, and to remind them, that, that we're living in his universe and that we're here, um, you know, ultimately because he allows us to be. And, you know, that's that, that little kind of seed that could get planted that just, again, you never know how down the road God might use that to, to bring that person full circle when they go through a crisis of faith to come back to you and say, hey, you know, I, I'm really going through something right now. I, I don't know where to turn, but I know you've mentioned God a couple times in conversations and I, I need some answers. Um and and he's done that in in, in our lives. Uh, myself and Polly, we, we've got a neighbor who has recently started coming to us because she just said, "Look, I I don't know what to believe. My my family doesn't have a belief system. I feel like I need to believe something. And I know that you guys believe in God. Can you tell me more about Him?" And um, so just planting those seeds and then praying that God is gonna gonna bring that full circle in His own timing. What about COVID? You know. Um, COVID could, has presented all sorts of opportunities, open doors to steering uh, conversations in the, direction, in the direction of faith. 
you know, um, I, I've made a comment to, to one of my neighbors when, when, you know, she was expressing, uh, a lot of fear about everything that was, that was going on with COVID. And I just said, yeah, you're absolutely right. I said, you know, if, if you, if, if, if you didn't know where you're headed when you die, God is sure giving us a wake up call, isn't he? And just to, to plant that seed again, that, Hey, look, um, Maybe COVID won't get you. Maybe you won't be one of the you know 0.5 percent of the population who, American population who, you know who dies from COVID this year or whatever. But if it's not COVID, it's going to be something. Um, you know this this life uh, is 100 percent mortality rate for everybody who's ever been born, other than you know I guess Enoch and um, you know uh, Elijah and, and and Jesus, but um, even Jesus died, but just came back. But uh, anyway, I digress. But but yeah, just the idea that hey, we're we're being faced with our mortality right now with this COVID pandemic, um, and maybe part of what God is trying to do is to get our attention and give us a wake up call. You know that we can't. You know we can try and just isolate death out and push it off and and ignore it and 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 outsource it to to things like hospice and keep it at bay and, and not have to think about it, not have to. But but God is giving us a, a, a an opportunity here to really get get real about the fact that we're all going to die. And are you ready for what comes next? Are you ready to meet your Maker? Um, are you willing? You know, that's a that's a pretty bold thing to 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 mention that to someone in the context of a conversation about about COVID. But um, I think that might be part of what God is trying to do right now with it. Or just frankly looking for that in in, in conversation. What if you were to just say to someone as 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 you you know having that conversation in the office or with with another mom at the play date at the park whatever. You know, what if when they shared good news with you. You just simply said, praise God, that's wonderful, you know? And just again, planting that seed that for them even, that, 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 that you know, when good things happen to them, when they ex- experience success or, 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 or triumphs in, in life, that God should be the one to get the praise because, you know, again, there is a sovereign Lord who is orchestrating events in their life. And um, you don't have to make it about that whole big, deeper conversation, but maybe it becomes about that. Maybe they, they eventually, you know, at some point ask you about, you know, yeah, you know, God, and let's talk about that. Um, or, it, or it's a, a segue into a conversation. Or what about when they mention something that's going on in their life that's tough? What if you were to respond with, I'll be praying for you? And, and again, to let them know that in in your mind, you're filtering everything through the lens of either, hey, great things happen, praise God. Hard things happen, we need to turn to God, pray to God, intercede with God. Um, that need that has to come from the heart, though. You know, this is where it goes back to prayer. If, if our own hearts are not in a place where our natural response is to want to praise God for every good thing that happens in our lives, uh, if our natural response is not to want to turn to God when hard things happen, then yes, that that is going to feel forced to say that. It's going to feel like a sales pitch. Um, don't don't tell your neighbor, your coworker, you know, don't tell them, "Hey, I'm going to be praying for you." If you have no intention of actually doing it. Um, you know, don't lie to them. But 
I think that the more that the Lord and the things of the Lord become a regular, frequent part of our day-to-day living, the more naturally these kinds of ends in conversation become to us because our minds and our hearts are going to be so filled with the Lord that He almost cannot help but come up frequently in our conversations. And so it's just a natural thing to stare things back to Him because He's the center of everything for us. Number four, so you got you got pray, put yourself in a position, and then uh, and then pursue the in once you're in that conversation to shift it toward um, toward the Lord. Number four is be be intentional, be purposeful uh, with your evangelism. Um, you know, have regular intentional kind of rhythms and habits of evangelism in the same way that, you know, many of us are diligent about our quiet times. First thing when we wake up in the morning, you know, what if we had regular habits with our evangelism? You know, we can think of evangelism as a spiritual discipline. And so, for instance, uh, I had a pastor suggest once the uh, idea of setting an alarm on your phone for 10.02 a.m. and just label the alarm on your phone prayer for the harvest. And at 10.02 every day, your alarm goes off and it's a reminder to you to stop what you're doing and pray for just 30 seconds, a minute. Pray that prayer of Luke 10.2 that God would send out his labors into the harvest because the harvest is so plentiful. God, give me opportunities. Send me like prophet Isaiah said, send me to go um, be a co-laborer for your harvest. Or, you know, I've, I've had a faithful evangelist um, tell me that, you know, uh, when I go out to eat at a restaurant, I, I just, I go into it intentionally with the, the forethought that I am going to share the gospel with the server at dinner tonight. <laughs> you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, um, to uh, ask, ask the ser- our, our server, um, uh, make the effort, be intentional, make the effort to learn her name when she introduces herself, to learn his name and to remember it and to, you know, treat them like a human and not a means to an end for my food. And, uh, as I do that, I, I I'm going to ask them by the end of the meal, how can I pray for you? And, you know, just that you would be amazed by the kinds of conversations you can have by just, you know, asking, asking your server at a restaurant, how can I pray for you or, or something like that. Um, or can I, can I pray with you even, um, you know, as, as that comes up in, in relationships with people that you, you have a relationship with, that you, you have a friendship with, and as they share difficult things, you know, don't, maybe don't just say, um, I'm going to be praying for you. Maybe just stop right there and say, can I pray with you right now? You might be the only person that prays with that person this entire year or, uh, you know, in years, who knows, you know, if that person is not regularly at church, if they don't have family members who are, are practicing believers, if they don't, you just never know. I mean, and prayer is powerful and pe- you know, who doesn't want to be prayed for, whether they believe it or not, whether they even trust in the God that you are praying to or not, people love to be prayed for and to be, be cared for that much. So be intentional and do it. So number five, uh, after you pray, put yourself in position, um, uh, look for an end in conversation, be intentional. And then number five is invite people to church, to be a part of church. Now, I want to be careful. This is not the same as evangelism. It's not a substitute for evangelism, but it is at least something. I mean, if you can't do anything else, 
you can invite someone to church. And uh, we've actually talked about the idea of... um, J.R. Smith was telling me that back in the day, they used to have little business cards that uh, they used to give out here at West Hills, or maybe Bethany Baptist at that point, um, that you could just keep in your wallet and and uh, and just you know whenever whenever you had the opportunity, maybe it was with a server at a restaurant, you just leave them a business card and say, hey, you know, it just says we'd love to have you this Sunday at West Hills, and um, you just never know how how that could make a difference. So uh, I'll, uh, maybe we'll get on that and we'll, we'll make up some, some little cards so that it's not just to Easter that you have something to invite, but just all the time that you're constantly thinking about, man, I, I would love to have people be a part of, of, uh, this faith community because the reality is, uh, you know, people don't want to just hear about the faith. They want to be a part of a community of faith. People want to belong, People long for relationship, and many people will come to church initially for that belonging, for that community, and then over time, they may come to faith months or even years later as they begin to gradually understand and trust in the gospel. But, um, but you know, it's kind of one of those things. Sometimes people don't know care what you know until they know that you care, and being here at church is a way to, to make people feel cared for. And so those are your five quick P's. Pray, put yourself in positions to share, pay attention to opportunities for an in and conversation. Number four, be purposeful in seeking out those opportunities. And then number five, pursue people, invite them to church. Those are my five quick tips for you. I would love to hear yours. Email me or text me your tips. I'll be happy to share them with the whole church. And by the way, these are tips for starting a conversation. But then maybe, uh, you know, next week's Ask the Pastor topic could be, how do I steer the conversation? Not just start the conversation, but steer the conversation. Once you've found an in and you've broached the subject of faith, of Christ, of church, etc., what do you do next? Uh, what do you share next? I had one of our life group leaders here actually a while back ask me, you know, Pastor, there are so many different ways to share the gospel. What is a simple, memorable way that you would recommend? to make sure that I, I've given someone the whole gospel without overwhelming them at the same time. Man, that is a great question, and so I think we'll save that maybe for part two next week. But I hope this has been helpful and a blessing to you. And one way or another, whether you take these tips or, or have your own, let's be faithful. Uh, let's pray, God, would you make us faithful to share your good news with people of all weeks this week with Easter right around the corner. God bless you. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Ask the Pastor. Remember that you can ask your questions each week at the info bar at West Hills or by submitting them online through our website at westhillsstl.org. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already. And thanks for listening.